Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Today, we're talking about clowns. You know how this song song in my head? Now, everything we were going to say is I'm not going to lie. Every time I read it, that's what I hear. <laughs> well, then that's a very effective song. Yeah, it is. It is. And we're specifically looking at female clowns. And this episode is inspired in part by the release of It, Chapter 2. I just watched the first one like a week ago. Did you? Yeah. The miniseries or the oh, no. new one? The new one. Miniseries I watched as a child and I'm traumatized by that one. Mm. Yeah. But the new one, I just finally watched it. Or newer. Newer. Release. Yeah. That was the worst theater experience I've ever had because somebody in front of me was using it as an opportunity to try out his set. He thought he was a comedian. Oh, no. And so he was he was making jokes very, like very loudly. loudly. And then when the movie ended, he got up in front of everybody and said, you can follow me on Instagram or see me at the, see me at whatever show. And we were all like, get out of here, man. Right. What? <laughs> I mean, it's a, you've got your venue. They're trapped in there. They're trapped, but they're going to be angry. I'm surprised someone got them kicked out. Somebody did report him, but when the, the theater person came in, the guy was like, Come on, man. I'm just having fun. I'm just having fun. And I guess that was enough. Shut up, man. Yeah. So I had to rewatch it. Rude. Uh, Yes. And I do want to apologize in advance to any clowns that are listening who hate (laughs) that this is the association that a lot of us have. Yes. I'm sure you're good people, but I'm still scared of you. (laughs) I don't have a fear of clowns. Um, I don't think I've ever actually seen one. I'm pretty sure. In real life? In real life, yeah. Um, I did notoriously push a man dressed as the Joker into a pool when I was four years old because he got my face and he was laughing at me. Yeah, that's not cool. And uh, my brother, he was having a Batman-themed party that I was not allowed at that I snuck into. He was very, very upset with me. Mm. There's video of it somewhere. <laughs> I want. To, are you pushing the clown? Yes. I want. I want to see this. I Joker. Need to, I, need, I need to see this. Well, <laughs> Joker. Yeah, I've been to a circus or two, and um, no offense, like we said, but we've already discussed my irrational fears due to my young exposure to horror movies, mm-hmm. and the origin of it of one of the first films, of course, is what we were talking about, just the, the It miniseries, yeah. and um, you know, come on, it's. Tim Curry hiding in the sewer, threatening to, like, no, not threatening, tearing off a kid's arm, <laughs> talking about floating. No. I will say, no. I rewatched it recently, and I thought it was quite humorous, but... <laughs> Look, when you see it as a child... <laughs> True. And then you go back and you're... Well, because I don't think I actually finished it because I couldn't because I was so scared of mm-hmm. it, and I should have. That's I think that's when I learned my lesson to finish out all the movies mm-hmm. because you'll be less scared when you finish it out typically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is one of those I didn't, and then when I did finally see clips of the ending, I was like, oh yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> No spoilers. Hashtag no spoilers. Yeah, but it don't don't. It's definitely an eighties. Oh yeah, miniseries. Well, and the main character, his the mullet, not the mullet, the hair, the ponytail he's rocking. You know what? When I was looking back on the clips, Jonathan Brandis was in it. I don't know who that Seth is. Seth Green. Yeah, Seth Green is in um, it. Yeah. Jonathan Brandis was a nineteen nineties heartthrob, and I loved him. And he was dating Tatiana Ali from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and I was very jealous. Wow. Yeah. I, this was a serious crush. I think probably my first crush ever. Wow. Well, okay. I'll have to go back and rewatch it with new eyes. Um, okay, but we're not just going to talk about <laughs> it and scary clowns today. Um, 
We wanted to start with a definition, as we like to do. From Dictionary.com, a comic performer, as in a circus, theatrical production, or the like, who wears an outlandish costume and makeup and entertains by pantomiming common situations or actions in exaggerated or ridiculous fashion by juggling or tumbling, etc. And what we view as traditional clowning at circuses has long been dominated by men, but that doesn't mean there aren't any female clowns um, or that there haven't been. From Russian critic Mikhail Bakhtin, clowns are, quote, life's maskers, right to be other in this world, the right not to make common cause with any single one of the existing categories that life makes available. And so clowning has a long history. It goes all the way back to ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, and ancient China. In 7th century BCE, the Dorian Mimes was a troupe that included female clowns. The name came from the performer's ability to mimic others. So they weren't mimes like we we think of them today. Right. But they were they could mimic people. Well, they mimic pretty well real life things like climbing upstairs. It's true. It just didn't mean they were silent, I guess. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. In ancient Rome, a valued position was that of the funeral clown, a jester that would dress as the recently deceased, typically a rich person if you could afford this, and make fun of their habits. I want one of those. Well, you could. I well, well it depends on who me? makes it. Well, we'll get a professional clown for you. Uh, I don't. I don't know what I'm I doing. Want, I kind of want this to happen. Yeah, and clowns in uh, Bellinese theater were viewed as servants of the gods. Famous and mythical Indian jester Tenali Rama summoned the Hindu goddess Kali, stole from her, and then joked about it. Now, Kali is scary. She is often depicted with skulls on her necklace, but she thought he was funny, so she allowed him to live. Yeah, you should look up the pictures of Kali in this, yeah. this story. It's pretty good. Oh, really? Yeah, just in general, I know she's the goddess of, like, torment or... She's, what is she? She's, like, multi... We did Disastrous. an episode kind of about okay. her. Okay. She's kind of, like, both death and life and... Yeah, she but she's get, a frightening figure. She'd get you. Yes. That's the, that's the real answer. That's the point we're trying to make. <laughs> um, during medieval times, clowns called glee men often worked in partnership with a glee maiden. This glee maiden was multi-talented, a dancer, an acrobat, a musician. Sometimes these glee maidens worked alone and sometimes as assistants for men in burlesque. And, and this is when we saw Mother Folly, an elderly woman who led medieval carnival celebrations, which were appropriately wild. She had a full moon mask to represent the fickleness of woman, their power and how dangerous they could be. According to one historian, she, quote, allows for the expression of aspects of the feminine that are normally repressed. Love it. Then if we look at jesters from Dana Froden's book, King's Fool, quote, in medieval days, buffoonery was one of the few professions open to women. Royal courts and nobility often would have jesters on retainer, and some of those were women. Jesters had more freedom of speech than the average commoner, which gave them the power to speak out against their rulers in a way most could not, sometimes even impacting policy. Like when Emperor Shi Huangti commissioned for the building of the Great Wall of China, he also ordered it to be painted, which could have led to thousands more deaths. But his jester was able to make fun of the proposal, and the emperor decided against it. So that's pretty powerful stuff. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Roman philosopher Seneca, his wife had a female fool on retainer. One of history's most famous female jesters was working during the 17th century in France. Her name was Mathurine. Mathurine ruled over the courts of kings Henry III, Henry IV, and Louis VIII. 
13th. She dressed as an Amazon warrior, armor, shield, sword, and robes. She was also well-known, and her name came to be used for other satirists, and a particular type of burlesque writing that was similar to her comedy was dubbed Matherinade. While accompanying a woman of the court for an audience with a king, the woman told Mathurine something like, I don't like having a fool to my right. And without missing a step, Mathurine switched sides and said, I don't mind at all. Oh, love it. Love it. <laughs> Mathurine also was very religious and dedicated her jester's wand to God. And allegedly, she helped capture a potential assassin of Henry IV by blocking the door of his escape. Wow. Yeah, I, I read that and I was like, what? She sounds like a cool lady. All these uh, women are pretty badass. Mm-hmm. In Europe during the 16th to 18th centuries, the it entertainment at the theater was Commedia dell'arte, and it included female clowns. The performers were divided into three groups, masters, servants, and the young lovers, and the masters and servants were played by clowns. The servants who usually drove the plot had three main characters, the smart male rogue, his foolish male companion, and the female. Usually the female served as the romantic interest for one of the men, of course, but she was involved in other story elements too. There were three servant characters only played by women, Columbine, Frankestina, and Smeraldina. Lots of threes in this. Yes. Three by three by three. Rule of threes. Funnily enough, the female version of Harlequin is Harlequina, so Harley Quinn, not so much. Mm. Eh, I don't know. Um, from Commedia dell'arte came English pantomime during the 18th and 19th centuries. This is the time the, quote, father of modern clowning, Joseph Grimaldi, started working, first donning white face clown makeup, and he worked with female clowns. The circus got its start 300 years ago in Western Europe. While a few female clowns were recorded these early days, it was mostly men working at the circus. Of the few mentioned of female clowns, some were painted as publicity stunts as opposed to serious performers. And so in 1858 is the year a lot of historians point to the first modern female clown, Amelia Butler. And we, there are a lot more clown, clown details, what? clown history facts for you. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Back. Thank you, sponsor. So, from 1886 to 1926, the Nouvelle Cirque in Paris became the circus capital of the world. It was owned by the co-founder of the Moulin Rouge. Clownesses, as female clowns were known, weren't all that rare, but they were often Moulin Rouge dancers dressed as clowns, so a little bit different. One of the most well-known of these dancers was Chaukau, which was a name inspired by a wild dance similar to the Can-Can. The only way we know about her is because of a series of paintings done by Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec. Aside from dancing, she was also a contortionist and an acrobat. Lautrec applauded her bravery in working in a male-dominated industry and being open about being a lesbian. Oh. Well, there's Miss Lulu, born in 1882, and she married a famous male clown, and they worked together. She was a contortionist and a wire walker. There's a wire walk with me pun in there. <laughs> but I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Give not. Give me that. <laughs> <laughs> then there's Lulu Adams, the daughter of famous British clown Joe Craston, and her grandmother was the first tightrope artist to perform at the Brighton Hippodrome. So she kind of had a family family business. Mm -hmm. Lulu worked in some of her dad's routines, and at the age of 17, 
she convinced her dad to buy her a set of bagpipes, and that's what she became known for. Her favorite song was Laugh, Clown, Laugh. That was her favorite song to play. She was multi-talented, especially when it came to playing instruments and could speak five languages. She was the first female clown to perform at many of the most prestigious British circuses. She also worked at America's Barnum & Bailey's, the Tom Arnold's Christmas Circuit, and at the Ringling Circus. Before his untimely death, her and her husband worked as a clown duo. She once told a reporter, I was born into the circus. Mother was a writer and a high-wire performer. Dad was an acrobat and all sorts of things. I shall go on clowning till I die. That's the power of the circus. You can never leave it. In the early United States, there are more records of female clowns than in Europe. In 1895, the New York Times called Aveta Matthews, misattributed as a Miss Williams, the only lady clown on earth. The women's rights movement was taking off in Europe and the U.S. at this time, and Barnum and Bailey had a new woman segment that featured Matthews. Some of their advertisements read, Aveta, the only lady clown. From Adams, There were plenty of women, trapeze performers, bar performers, and tightrope performers, and even strong women who could hold half a dozen people on their shoulders. These fields seemed to be pretty well occupied, so Miss Matthews got advanced notions of emancipation and determined to invade a new field and become a clown. There never had been women clowns. So this this is from a work, a piece on the history of clowning. And she chafed at the strict rules handed down to her about what she could and couldn't do as a woman, like tumble. They were very specific about certain physical things that women could perform. Popular mechanics referred to Loretta La Pearl as a fair young woman with luminous eyes and as the only circus clown, (laughs) the only woman circus clown, 1927. So there's a lot of the only of these women clowns. Female clowns at the time did usually wear outfits that were at the intersection of sexy and ridiculous. Of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Felix Adler and Amelia Irwin were the king and queen of clowning during the mid-20th century. In 1968, when the Ringling Brothers opened their clown college, female clowns became more common. Their first female clown graduated in 1970, Peggy Williams. Mm -hmm. Then they got Annie Fratellini. She was a film actress before she got into clowning, and she worked with her husband as well, director Pierre Ette. She went on to start her own circus in 1974 and her own circus school in France, and this led to the birth of Nouveau Cirque in that country. When interviewed in 1977, she said, Circus people didn't believe that a woman could take pratfalls, get slapped and kicked, and be ridiculous, but women have more sensitivity, the essential quality. It's not a question of gaiety or humor. A clown isn't a comedian. To be a good clown, you must have lived. To be a clown means more than just putting on a costume and making funny faces at the audience. The clown must take the audience on a unique adventure in a strange dimension. Which I love. Then there's Nina Krasavina, the star of the Moscow Circus, who also got into clowning thanks to her husband. She was the first clown in the Moscow ring. Yeah, so according to one list that ranks clowns, there were only three women listed within the top 100 most famous clowns. Arissa, a.k.a. Rizolba, or Arissa or Rizolba Pippa, she was at 24, Annette Fredellini at 41, and Camilla Grisky at 75. Of course, this is just one list, but with all the people we mentioned above, I just I thought it was interesting um, that it was just three that made it into that top 100 list. Yeah. I mean, think about the, the uproar around podcast when it's like 10 and it only has three women. Right. 100 and it right. only has three women. Um, yeah, so clearly it has been 
a lot of dudes in the clowning business, but there have been women there, and they have been doing great work. And these are just a few examples that we were able to find. So we do have a little bit more in this episode for you. But first, one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So nowadays, I mean, we've all heard about the the problem of the horror clown. Right. The problem, I guess, <laughs> for clowning in specific. Right. And I mean, then it didn't well help that we have, you know, serial killers who like dressing up as clowns as well. So kind of attached to that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate in, in several ways. It's unfortunate. So many ways. Um, and the circus, the circus closing. Right. Um, so, well, I have, the, I found this quote from Real Smiley Clown. We have to face facts and realize that at least in America, clowning is dying as an art form due to negative attention, which has harmed the image of clowns. And in this blog post, one of the things the author says is we need to bring in more women we need to make it more diverse and more appealing mm-hmm. to people. And if you're listening to this, because it's pretty easy to make fun of clowns, it's kind of the butt of a lot of jokes about right. going to clowning school or it being a terrible, frightening Right. Clown. I don't joke about it because I'm, I'm still afraid. <laughs> afraid that Pennywise is going to come for you? <laughs> Something, yes. Mm. Something in that realm. Right. But I think we forget... This history has shown that clowning can be very powerful, and it, it is. I even read articles about the difference in how do we define, how do we separate clowning from comedians who are very physical in their acts. Right, and um, that's not really for us to say, but mm-hmm. it is conversations that are happening right now. And um, I, when I was talking about this episode with our coworker Lauren, who is my co-host over on Saver. Um, she has friends who work in clowning, and I totally forgot about this whole aspect of it, but they work for something called Humorology Atlanta, and they visit places like children's hospitals and senior communities, and they bring so much joy when they go visit those places. And the way Lauren described it was very heartbreaking and beautiful at once. Um, She was telling stories of people who can't speak and being able to interact with a clown who's also not speaking on that level and feeling such, like joy and validation and happiness. And that's powerful. Right. She can juggle, right? Lauren, Lauren can, can juggle. juggle. Yeah. Oh, Lauren can juggle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, she can do it. She's got a lot of talent. She's got a very particular set of skills <laughs> and it involves juggling. Um, so I just feel like I clowning can do so much good. And it it would, the industry itself would benefit from being more diverse. Right. Yes. And hopefully Lauren is reaching out to her friends, her female friends who work in clowning, so hopefully we can revisit. Ooh. Yeah, bring someone on to talk about it. I'm sorry, I just had a moment. If they dress up, I may I may have to go to a corner. <laughs> I don't think they'll dress <laughs> okay. up. Okay, okay. I think you'll be okay. We need to get you some... Uh, no, I don't no know. No margin therapy. No, Thank I don't you. know. I'm good. You're I'm right. Good. You're right. <laughs> You're right. That's how Samantha murders me. <laughs> um, but we would love to hear from from you listeners if you are if you happen to work in clowning or know someone who does or you have any stories you'd like to share. Please share them. You can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou. 
Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thanks, Andrew. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 